Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. And loving them with the love of God, not my own 
that that healing is for them, but the love that God has for them. There's this, there's, I was talking to a friend in, in PCBY last night, and I thought, first of all, it's so pathetic. When you have a date night, you get a babysitter, your two kids are finally settled, you go out to dinner, you end up at Walmart, Lowe's, Builder Square, and PCBY. <laughs> Does anyone relate to this at all? And so we're on a date, and they're on a date, and we run in without children in PCBY. They have yogurt. And she was just talking about how, you know, when, you, when someone hurts one of your children, they talk ugly about one of your children, it is the deepest stab that you can have. And we took that one step further to think, gosh, what does God feel then when one of us does that to one of his children, refuses to love them, refuses to forgive them, refuses to be kind to them, refuses to give them back to nature? That was powerful to me. Second John 5, I think this is the last one I wrote down. I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that you love one another. So what is love? I mean, 1 Corinthians 13, we hear it at almost every wedding we go to. And we can define it, love is patient, love is kind, it is not boasting. All of those definitions of love. It's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. Uh, my favorite one of all is that it keeps no records of wrongs. It's absolute favorite. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Never fails. I mean, it's like if I'm wondering what to do in a situation, and I can err on the side of judgment, or I can err on the side of mercy. Err on the side of mercy. If I can err on the side of, of hate or err on the side of love, err on the side of love because love never fails. But what I need to see too, though, is that I'm not called to like everybody, but I am called to love everybody. And we've got to have certain boundaries in place with some people. And, that, and I think it's important for us to talk about that because unless we talk about these real life things and we take a concept that's in the Bible and we get into real life and we try to apply it and it's like, wait a minute, what about all this practical stuff? What about all the nitty gritty of really living? So here we are, real love, Christ's love. And one of the main things that I've had to learn and I am learning and I'm constantly, continually and forever will be in process, I finally figured that out. When do we arrive? Does anyone know? Because I'm ready to arrive. And yet I'm so far from it. And the second I think I have arrived, I'll like blow up or lose my temper over something really stupid or ridiculous. Or, you know, I mean, and then the closer you are to arriving, I think the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Yeah? So it's this continual process, but the one thing that God keeps coming towards me with in everyday living is that the real love of Jesus Christ, the love of the body, the first Corinthians love, always without doubt and without exception, if it is pure, undefiled love from God is sacrificial. And we hate that language. That's not a word that we enjoy. Because sacrifice means you've got to give out something. You've got to maybe give out something you're not going to get back. How do I love sacrificially when I don't even like the person? You know, there's a scripture that's helped me with almost everything in my life. I was just was talking to somebody this morning, and 
I'll go buy the coffee and I'll sing this to Phil and let's see how we go. But anyway, he was talking about just sometimes in the workplace not being appreciated and and um, really working super, super overtime. And, um, and it's amazing how sometimes we have to draw boundaries and say, hey, you know, I need to talk to you about this. I need more conversation, et cetera, et cetera. But when there are things in our life on a daily basis, even if the person is not appreciating them, I can know that what I'm doing, I do for God, no matter what it is. Every part of my life, I'm supposed to do for God, whether it's my job, whether it's being a mom, whether it's helping out in a volunteer position. And first, excuse me, Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's helped me so much with forgiveness because I have to say over and over, I'm not doing this to him, excuse me, for them. I use that plural pronoun. At least I got that in Girl Scout on that one, right? I'm not going to take that. I'm not doing it for them. I'm not forgiving for them. I'm forgiving for me. Because sometimes you'll hear like forgiveness seminars or, you know, all those self-help words. And they're like, if you can just know why the person's doing that or if you can walk a mile in their moccasins or whatever. Well, sometimes we don't even need to try to take those moccasins off. Sometimes those moccasins need to be burned and deserve to be burned. Sometimes we just need to step back and say, you know what? I'm not forgiving for them. I'm forgiving for him. And so it doesn't have anything to do with liking them, understanding them, rationalizing what they've done, or even absorbing it all and and being healed from it. God's going to handle my heart. God's going to handle this part of me. Let him. I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for him. Number two, remember that loving others covers a multitude of sins. This is uh, an essential practice for all of us. Did you know that the Bible says that me loving others and you loving others covers a multitude even of our own sins? That love covers. And I don't know about you, but God keeps revealing in this process of my life the things that I've done and said and thought for years. And I think they're a problem. I was never convicted about it. And then I start to see in the Bible, oh my gosh, that's really not a problem. That's a sin. That's awful. That's ugly. And our issue is there's so much that we do on a daily basis, even if we're trying to be perfect, which none of us are. But even if you have that perfectionistic personality, which I err on, I I don't like to be wrong. I glory, absolutely glory in the fact that when I, especially on ridiculous things like your who rose that singer. Y'all ever do that in your family? You know? And um, Lacey has picked the same person to be the singer for every time. I'm like, no, he was not. John Wayne did not sing very much. (laughs) He is not Willie Nelson. He is not the same, you know. And then I'm so excited they say, and that was, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, because I have that bend in my personality that is not of God where I want to be perfect. I want to do right. What is of God is to want to be more like Jesus. And on this road and in this process, he so gently shows us and sometimes humorously shows us through our children those things in us that aren't right, that we need to go 
Bethlehem and have him be able to bring her into his life. In 1 Peter 4.8, I love this because it says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And I think, you know, if my job is not to be perfect, but just to love and to love people deeply and to love with the love that God gives me to love them, not for them, but for him because they're his children, I can count on so many of my sins and so many of my faults and so many things that I'm oblivious and blind to to be covered in his love. That's a huge incentive for me. And that's so opposite to the law where it says you've got to cross every T and dot every I. And Jesus says, just walk in love and the rest will come. Just walk in love. Most importantly, remember Christ's sacrificial love for you. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, every time I think it's too hard, I cannot forgive this person, and, and, and I can't do it. I don't have the feelings to do it. I don't even know where to begin. If I were going back to the cross, thinking, oh, no, who's first, Jesus? And looking at my past and, and receiving those blows and receiving that hatred and being on that cross. He fought our battles. He chose us, and we had to choose him back. But he chose us, and he saw our foolishness. And while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8 says, he died for us. And that just gives me this energy to say, I can forgive. I cannot imagine all the stuff that Christ has forgiven me for. And the things I didn't even know I did. People that I've hurt that maybe wanted to be my friend and I wasn't even aware of their needs or I was too busy or, or things we unintentionally do. What a great way to have been merciful and have not forgiven those who were Your love is always a sacrifice. Luke 6, 32 and 33 says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Because even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners. If we love people that love us, it's no big deal. But what really shows the true heart of God is when his people love people that don't love them back. And we're going to talk about what is that love. Because that love does not mean being blameless. You know, um, in the sixth grade, I, I just there was a group of girls that I wanted so much to be a part of. And I wanted so much to be a part of that group that I became kind of a doormat to them. And I had a personality type, too, that I would just take it and take it and take it and take it. And that's not what God says is love. And so we're going to talk about that, too. But there is a love from God that says, I will love you and forgive you even if I never give it back. And that is God's heart. And that's God's heart towards us. Can you imagine how many years we've put up with your shenanigans? And all the stuff you've done and going to and coming back, going to and coming back. Oh, forgive me, Jennifer, same thing, God. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm like, God, aren't you sick of me? Can you just get sick of yourself? I mean, I go to him sometimes and I'm like, okay, God, I'm just sick of me. I'm just absolutely sick of myself. And he's like, okay. And he's so pleased by it. Butterfly in his hand, you know. And if he's 
stain after them. It became a candy made in the world. I get excited about that, and I get renewed and restored through his eyes and not my own eyes towards me. Because a long time ago, I think I would have ended it if I thought it was just me looking at me and me forming who I was going to be. It was a big mess. See, that's God seeing everything. He doesn't need any extra comments on that. God tells us to forgive and to love, but we still need boundaries. I wanted to read this because it's so important. Matthew 7, 6 says, Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Well, wait, what does that mean? You just said for me to love. What does that mean? It says don't give your pearls to the swine. What does that mean? Are you saying that some people are swine? No. See, here's the division that helps more than anything I've ever heard in my life when it comes to forgiving. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.12 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness and princes and high places. We are not wrestling with humans. We are not wrestling with human forces but evil forces in high places, Ephesians 6.12 says. And so if someone has chosen to give their life over to evil, if they're completely self-absorbed, if they're doing the wrong thing, if they've been abused of humanity, if they're not telling the truth, if they're lying, if they've slandered you in some way, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual. And I'm going to lose the battle every time if I try to fight a spiritual battle with carnal weapons, with fleshly weapons. And so what I keep remembering all the time is I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm not wrestling against this person. This person may have given their life over to the enemy in a certain area where they're lying or stealing or not doing the right thing or they're being abusive, but I don't wrestle with them. I'm going to forgive them as a part of God. And I'm going to fight in the spiritual realm the battle that I was set to fight. And we're, we're going to talk about that, too. There's so much to get to. But that's what the sword in the spirit realm, which I'm sure a lot of you know what that is. What is the sword in the spirit realm? The word of God. The word of God will set you free. And living proof of that. Act of forgiveness. We may need to draw boundaries in order to protect. Um, we live in such a small community. So some examples that I give are so, they're hard because you all may know I'm talking about. I'm going to try to be as vague as possible and um, talk more like Lacey than me. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> Y'all get that? Anybody get that? Okay, anyway. When we go to dinner, you know, vague is just there. And I, do you do that with your husband? Any of you wives and you want details and there's this golf phone cave and had a baby. You're like, great. Oh my gosh, they had a baby. Yeah, finally had that baby. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. They had a boy or girl. Girl, baby, it's a baby. Well, you would not know. Okay, well, um, when did she have the baby? I mean, I don't know. So all I know is that they had the baby. You know, so I have to call and go, oh, it's a baby, that's a baby. And I have no idea if it's a boy or it's a girl or, you know, any details. So any vague. But we have, there is someone that we've forgiven. They trespassed against us in a huge way. We just needed to come in. It was not good. 
that person welcome in my house? Have you seen them?
637 says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. You want to know something interesting that I looked up not too long ago, and I'm sure you can never imagine why I've looked up any of these scriptures, because surely it's not applied to my life in any way. That word judge in the Greek means discipline. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. You know, many of us are taught if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. But here's what the Bible says, Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and you will be blessed. The Bible never says, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. It says, I do want you to say something. It's the opposite of a curse. It's a blessing. Luke 6, 27 and 28 says, but I hear, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. So you're thinking, that's the thing, okay, I see someone that that I need to forgive or I have forgiven and they are still considered, you know, I've got boundaries up, they need to be in place, but what do I do with this person? What do I do now? Well, right there, four things. Love them, even if it's from a distance. Sometimes the only way we can love some, some people is from a distance. Do good to them if you possibly can. There's a scripture that says if you do that, it will be like heaping burning coals on their head. Some of us get excited about that. <laughs> Ooh, you mean like it burn if I do good? I think I might see them again, you know. <laughs> do good to them. Bless them who curse you and pray for them. Love them, do good, bless them, pray for them. And you know what's interesting in doing this that the Lord tells us to do? person, I thought my heart could never change to this point. If you touch one of my children, then I will knock you into next week with the rod. But it's never changed. But through those four things, I have a compassion and a mercy, and we pray for this person. And I love that Luke 6, 27, and 28. Love them, do good to them, bless them, pray for them. Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Ever had an enemy that spitefully used you? Matthew 5.44 says that we're to pray for them and do good to them. Sing God's love and forgiveness by continuing to outflow blessings and not curses. And the clearest picture I had of this was just in, it feels so uncomfortable when you start walking in the spirit and you're starting to bless people. And and what I mean about bless, bless your enemies, that doesn't mean all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this is the nicest person. But it's praying for them and it's stopping the talk about what they've done. And it's asking God to bless them. It's asking for the Holy Spirit to find them. It's seeing that the harvests are ripe in that area of so many people that don't know God and that are doing the wrong thing and asking God to send workers into the harvest. That's blessing them. And when we get into that mode of doing it, of blessing people and blessing our enemies, not only is it a position of power, but our joy level just goes up a hundredfold. Because then I'm not sucked back into that storefront of bitterness and unforgiveness and memories and past and what they did and how, how this hurt and what it did to my family and 
and I am hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt and I'm stuck in the past. And I'm so stuck in the past, I can't even enjoy the present, much less acknowledge that God is here either. And so suddenly I'm not feeling like I can. So what starts to feel uncomfortable is when I learn that I can walk in this joy and in this blessing and I can walk in life beginning the Bible says that I've given you a choice between life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life that you would have chosen to live and die. And yet, I'll speak a few scriptures in a minute. You know, I was talking to my friend last night, and who she won. She said that someone had, had been really chatty with her daughter. Her daughter was in the eighth grade. Imagine that. <laughs> and um, they had done a few things to undermine her daughter, and, and her daughter had just forgiven her forgiven this other girl and moved on and going to the other girl, but the mother, she said, you know, every once in a while, I'll kind of sneak a little jab in. She said, God's really convicted me to quit sneaking those jabs in. She said, especially because my daughter noticed and said, Mom, you really need to let it go. You need to forgive and let go. You know, it's amazing when your kids do that, not each so much with you. And so we need to realize that there can't be polluted water and clean water coming from the same stream. The stream of our mouth needs to have clean and living water for people to be drawn to, for people to be drawn to God. What are curses? Real quick, gossip. Let's not go there. I mean, that's easy. Gossip. Gossip. Is it true? Doesn't matter. If it's gossip, it's still gossip. And, you know, we know when we're gossiping because sometimes we say things like, I really shouldn't tell you this, but before that is the Holy Spirit saying, don't say it, or you know not to say it. And so a lot of times when someone says that to me, instead of going, oh, my gosh, no, 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 tell me, which is what my flesh would like to do, like when someone says to you, I really shouldn't tell you this, but you find yourself stepping towards them or away from them. That's a good thing to think of. And I'm learning to say, please don't, though. Because a lot of times it's stuff that's going to take my peace anyway, especially if it's about me. And then all day long, all I can think of is, oh, my gosh, so-and-so said that about me, or that's happening with that family, or whatever I shouldn't know. There's probably a reason I shouldn't know it, and I don't want to know it. Secondly, cursing can be careless words. I'm not going to go there very, very long either. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk with wine, instead be filled with the Spirit. You're thinking, why is she giving me that scripture? Because if you have too much wine, you can't be controlled by the Spirit. You get controlled by the wine, and all of a sudden, careless words are a given. And I don't know about you, but I've been there, and I didn't even start having any kind of alcohol at all until I was over 30 years old in the hospital with leukemia, and the only reason I had wine was to take communion. And But I'm such a lightweight that if I do go to dinner and I have just a little bit too much, I notice, even in that, I've, I've not ever been drunk, and that's not bragging, that's just tells you where I am. So this is just to say, even in a little bit too much wine, I start to say stuff that I think later, why did I say that? You know? Why does the Bible have those scriptures? Because God didn't want us to have any fun? No, because we are to constantly and always be controlled by the Spirit and not be controlled by the wine. And careless words bring curses and they hurt. There's probably been a lot of things that have happened here. A lot of people's reputations turned into someone's children's businesses because someone had too much to drink and said too much or 
that come from us and we interpret them. And then secondly, Matthew 12, 36 says, but I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. Matthew 12, 36, I tell you that men, you notice it doesn't say women. <laughs> it is men and women. I tell you the truth that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. convicted my heart careless speech I gotta stop there Heavenly Father we thank you we thank you for teaching us to love we thank you for loving us we thank you that we can do things in all that we do whether thought or word or deed we can do in the name of Jesus Father teach us to love to be compassionate teach us to have such a strong desire that we be your sons and your daughters full of heritage of your will and your word. And all that you have to give us, not mere children who are in need of godliness and who never grow up and never get saved from the world. And we know that to be a full inheritor of your will and a full inheritor of all of your promises, we've got to be people and we've got to be women who want to grow up. Father, teach us to do that. Thank you for your guidance this morning. Thank you for you talking. Thank you for hearing so many of us in this room who have had extremely huge hurts and huge things that we need to forgive. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in the process of healing us. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.